Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina Wilson. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. And alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry. I'm passionate about making Christ and His church famous, and I'm also passionate about seeing people develop an open-ended commitment to reading the entire Word of God, doing it again and again, and letting this become a recurring spiritual discipline in their lives. I've recently published my first book. It's called Step Into Scripture. It serves as a Bible reading accompaniment guide that leads the reader through a 365-day chronological reading plan, helping them identify the character of God, the centrality of Christ, the context of the passages, and also the connections across books and testaments that make God's Word so powerful and so unique. For today's episode, I've asked a few of my friends to join me here. They've also been using this book, Step Into Scripture, in personal devotions, family devotions, and even small group devotions. And so I want them to share with us what that looks like for them. And if you're ready to pick up Step Into Scripture and use this as a spiritual discipline in your life, I hope that what they're doing can help you get some ideas for what that can look like for you. So I want to welcome to this episode Chuck and Karen Phillips and Katie Grant. So guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Would you each just take a minute to introduce yourselves and share a little bit about yourselves? My name is Chuck Phillips, and I am currently the missions director, along with my wife, of missions here at Ecclesia Christian Church, but we've only been here about two years. Before that, we were missionaries in Ukraine for 16 years, and so we have a little bit of experience with teaching and preaching. Um, But yeah, I got a hold of Tina's book before it was published, actually, and said this is something that can be used for group studies, Bible studies, and so that's what we do. And this is my wife, Karen. Hello, Karen Phillips, um, wife of a pastor, missionary, but basically when you're the the wife, you're also a missionary, pastor's wife. Um, I'm a mother of two children. Um, my This is my daughter here, Katie, as well as a son who lives in Ohio, and four fabulous grandchildren, which are the joy of my life. And um, also, I've recently retired. I was working um, in a, a large corporation as uh, an executive um, in, until recently. I'm Katie, and he, like they said, I'm their daughter, uh, so I grew up as a missionary kid, a uh, preacher's kid. But uh, now I am married to a wonderful husband, and I have uh, identical twin sons, Cullen and Chase. Uh, So I've been living here in Myrtle Beach for about 20 years, and I practice real estate. So we are so happy that you guys connected with Ecclesia. We all are part of one church family here, and that was where we first met, and we developed a really great relationship. You guys are doing awesome things with missions. As far as your use of this book, Step Into Scripture, I'm wondering, of all the Bible study resources that are available, what drew you to this one? Uh, And certainly, with your background in in pastoral ministry and missions, you guys have a lot of experience with different resources that are available. Why Step Into Scripture? Step Into Scripture, for me, is is like the the Bible in a story. And I don't know if I can talk about your original title, but to me, it was known as the woven word before it became step into scripture, but 
it certainly does weave the story of Christ from Genesis through Revelation. And I wish I would have had it when I was on the mission field, uh, quite seriously, because it's such an easy tool to use to, to look at a particular verse. For example, right now we're going th- walking through the book of John with our small group, and I'm able to just type in a search, like in your book, because I have it in digital form, John 6, for example, and it will pull up every tie that you've made to John 6, starting in Genesis all, all the way through Revelation. And I can then study each of those little passages out and build a story, because my favorite way of teaching is to tell stories. Jesus told stories, and it's the best way for people to remember what it is you're trying to get across. And so you just make the story uh, so accessible, and that's why I use it, and that's why I love it. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate you mentioning the woven word. Before this book was published, we had kind of a working title. I was calling it the woven word. And actually the reason, one of the reasons that my publisher moved away from that title was maybe they thought it sounded too feminine. And what they wanted to communicate was that this was a resource that all people could use. And so Chuck, I appreciate you being here as a man who's using this tool and sharing what that looks like for you because, um, it wasn't written as just a devotional tool for women, and certainly it can be used by men and women. Absolutely. And what about y'all? Yeah, I'll go next. So from the age of 16, which is when I received my first Bible, I've been in love with God's Word. Um, and I, can, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've read through the Bible whether it's from cover to cover or chronologically or using different tools um, to study the Bible, I strongly believe that there's no better way to know our God, to know our Savior, to understand who he is than opening up God's Word and studying it. So I'm basically using um, Step Into Scripture as just another way, another variation to open God's Word and study it in a different way. Um, Probably reading through the Bible chronologically is my favorite way to to do that, but I've I've loved the insight um, that that the book has been bringing to my daily reading. There's been um, things that, even though I've read through the Bible and been a Christian for over 30 years, there's there's things that... um, have, have the insight that I have not ever realized. I mean, just a, a perfect um, example is this morning um, reading through Job right now and um, understanding that um, Elihu, which was one of um, the, the people that was arguing with Job, um, the last one, and I'm reading through that again, and and I hadn't realized that he was the one person that, um, that God did not... Um, Condemn or, or provoke, saying that what he was saying was wrong. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That uh, that's something I hadn't really realized. So I love learning new things. I, I love the depth it brings um, to my Bible study on the one side, but on the other side, just um, practicality as well. So I, I've really appreciated that using word depth, it. I think is key too because a lot of times we can get those walk through the Bible in year devotionals and they're not deep. They're very right. superficial. They hit like little bits of highlights, but man, you just dig in. It's like, it's like a college course almost, but put at a layman's level so that anybody can understand it. And I really appreciate that about your book. I appreciate that. That's definitely the goal. Something that we've said on this podcast before is 
we believe that God gave his word to all of us. We don't have to be theologians. We don't have to be scholars in biblical languages to understand it. Really self-contained in the word are the connections, the revelations that we need to understand it. Like you mentioned about Elihu, I used to hate reading the book of Job. And I hated reading it because I had a hard time discerning who was speaking truthfully and who was speaking falsely. And so it's difficult to know which voice in, in the poetry to listen to. But then when we learn to shift to a God-centered way of reading and say, well, who does God say is right and who does God say is wrong, all of a sudden this book becomes very helpful sure. because now we can discern which voices are true and which voices aren't true. And, and, and in doing that, that's how you, you get to know God. Yeah. And that's the reason for opening up the Bible is, is developing that relationship with God. It's, it's essential. And there's, no other, there's not a, a better way to do it. I, you know, I don't want to say, yes, you can develop a relationship with God through prayer. But, but you really, it's, it's opening up the, up the Word and, and accessing who he says he is in, in the word. So uh, I, I just love that you're bringing that out. Yeah, just the before, like right before we recorded this episode, we were having a conversation about the rise of AI mm-hmm. and how people mm-hmm. are using that even to write sermons. And, and the problem with it is, to speak to what you just said, I don't think you can really develop that depth of relationship with God if you're not personally connecting with him through his word. You can read things about his word. You can read my book and and it will benefit you nothing if you're not reading the scripture first, if you're treating it as cliff notes. Really, I'm with you. I think the best way, I won't say the only way, because God is obviously revealed even through his creation, Mm -hmm. but I think the best way to know God is to connect with every single inspired, authoritative word that he has given us through the Holy Spirit that we have in our Bibles. That's right. So what about you, Katie? What influenced your decision to use this as a discipleship tool? Uh, So I think when my boys were about three years old, I was given uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, and they fell in love with it. I've been reading to them every night since they were about three. Incredible. And we always start with the Bible, uh, and then we'll read a fun book, you know, whatever they're interested in at that time. Um, but when when I got that and I started reading that to them, they just fell in love with the Word of God. And I think I read that to them probably four or five times. Uh, and as they got older, I knew it was time to go a little bit deeper. You know, that is such a great introduction to who Jesus is. And I love the way everything in that book ties back to the rescue plan and Jesus. And your book kind of does that too. So it's just a way to take the next step. We'll go a little bit deeper with my boys now. They're 11, and they get mad at me if we try to skip a night reading. The That's Bible. incredible. So we started using your book, and um, it's just a way for us to, to go deeper into the scripture. Um, and I love the connections you make, even from Genesis to pointing to Jesus. And, and I know that it's producing fruit. Because last night, we're in the book of Job as well, um, and we were reading, uh, I think it's day five, uh, and Job is just lamenting, saying how you know he just wants to die, and if only there were a mediator. And my son, Colin, goes, well, that's Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's perfect. the best thing you can hear as a mom. So it, it's great to, to be able to read 
And it's not always easy. The Bible can be difficult sure. for me. And these are two 11-year-olds who sit there and listen raptly every time I read the Bible to them. But having that to connect everything yeah. and bring it back to Jesus, really. I love great. that. I love that you're doing that with them. Every week when we intro this podcast, part of the intro is... I'm passionate about all-in family ministry. And what I mean by that is, as a mom of seven, I want my kids not just sitting on the sidelines while their dad and I are walking out whatever kingdom commission or calling we believe God has on our lives. We want them walking with us. But that starts with grounding them in the word of God. And I love that you read it out loud to them. If you're a parent watching this, I would encourage you to do that. My oldest daughter is 19 and she still sits when we come together as a whole family and listens while I read the Bible out loud. And now, you know, she's talking marriage. And so um, I'm recognizing how limited those days are and I'm praising God that we just never gave it up. And so even if you have teenagers, listen, If they're still living in your house, read to them. Open up the Bible and read to them, and they will start bearing the kind of fruit that you just described, where they start saying, oh, there's Jesus. I see Jesus. So that's incredible. Um, Walk us through what your use of this book looks like. So Katie, in a family discipleship setting, Karen, in a personal devotion setting, Chuck, in a small group setting, you've got your Bible, you've got the Step Into Scripture book, and And those are really the three ways to use this. And so I'm sure people who are watching who would be thinking about using this book are going to be using it in one of those ways. What does that look like? What kind of preparation out front is involved? Do you feel like you need a foundational knowledge of Scripture in order to utilize it? Just just walk us through your use. Well, I think that if you're going to lead a small group, unless you have some... Basic background knowledge of scripture. It's it's going to be you'll be more of a facilitator than than a teacher, and and I teach all over the world. So for me, I think it's essential to have a, a background knowledge of scripture because that gives you a, a foundation to build on. But one of the blocks for the building is your book because it will remind me of passages that tie in. Um, quite often, the story is not what you're actually studying for the night like we're around john chapter 19 i think in our our bible study now so my preparation would be all right i'm going to read through john chapter 19 several times i'm going to highlight some key things that that i think are are good to, to highlight and apply to the people that are sitting in the group but then i'm going to turn to your book and I'm going to see everything that you've tied into John 19. And that's a simple thing because there's a little search button on a digital format. Anyway, you can't do that with a hard one, unfortunately. But there's going to be five or six passages minimum every time I do this. And it'll say in John 19, and you're, you're in Second Kings or Second Samuel chapter 5. And it says this about John 19 or see how this ties in with John 19. And so that gets added to, to fill out, the, you know, put flesh on the skeleton, so to say. And um, that, that's how I use it. That, and because you do such a fantastic job, I can use less other sources now because you're not saying anything. You're probably saying more and more succinctly what all the other books have said that I've used in the past. It's just amazing. I, I, I really believe that this is, a, is God's gift to us through you, and it's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, the way I use it is more incorporated 
incorporated into a habit that I've formed early on in my Christian walk. I get up, get my coffee, and, and sit down and um, open up the Word. Um, that's my time to hear from God, to speak to God, so I use it to understand God um, more thoroughly. So it, it really is just incorporated into a habit of um, that two-way communication with God, him yeah. speaking to me through his word, and then, and then using the, the commentary from Tina to really maybe um, understand his word in other practical ways, um, learn new things that maybe I hadn't really noticed. Because like, sometimes when you read the Bible over and over again, you might, you might pass over things that you really hadn't noticed before. There's, uh, there's always... Um, such such great meat, such great mystery. There's there's always something to learn. It doesn't matter how many times you've studied it. So I kind of just use it in that that personal um, devotional time for me. I love how you describe that two way communication. So often, you know, we come up on these struggles in our lives, and we think, if I just knew God's will, if I could just hear from God, when when really having God communicate with us looks like exactly what we're talking about, an open-ended commitment to the spiritual discipline that you've been walking out for years now of just reading your Bible. And, and I do think we, we trap ourselves when we wait until we're in crisis, and then we need to hear from God. Then we're going to open the Word. And so then we just jump right into reading through a, a me-centered lens that isn't looking for the character of God because we just need a solution to our problem. When really, a, a, a deep relationship with God where we do find his heart and know what he wants for us and, and know his will and his desires comes from seeking him in all seasons. Absolutely. And, I, and I may speak to an earlier podcast that you had. I mean, I, I developed this kind of habit fairly early in my Christian walk, but I, I have to tell you, um, to me, even if it was just 15 minutes in the, in the morning, um, that, was, that was a core foundation of my day. There was time, I mean, right now I'm retired and I spend an hour and I'm loving it, but there, you know, there was times I only had 15 minutes, but I did that. Um, there was times I was, I was working full time, I was going to school um, to, to get a degree, I had two children. It, you know, yes, my life was crazy busy. My husband was on the other side of the world doing missions. My life was crazy busy, and I wouldn't have survived during that time without that habit of opening up the Word. And I'm, I'm always thankful of, of tools that can be used that I can sit alongside the Bible to study His Word. I appreciate you saying that. Sometimes I worry that in the age of social media, the spiritual discipline of Bible study becomes more of an aesthetic, mm. and it has to look a certain way because we see it pictured a certain way on social media. There's, there's a perfectly crafted cup of coffee with latte art on the top and everything is just right. And in the chaos that can feel, it can feel like chaos when we're raising young children and our home is a mess and it does not look like anything we would want to snap a photo of. And so we just check out when, when like you've expressed here, it's that anchor in God's word that holds us through the chaos. We cannot let the chaos thwart that that's what's going right. to bring us through it. I was going to say, too, if you've got that relationship daily through the ups and the downs, how, I wonder if we could just look back on that and see how many of those crises we would have avoided altogether because we already had that relationship built on, 
on the good times too. That is a very good point. When I have found myself there, I go, why? Why do I need God to bring me to this place mm. to remember what what my rhythms are supposed to look like, what my devotion to the word, to prayer, to fasting is supposed to look like. If I could just hold that steady instead of running to it in times of crisis, yeah, maybe the times of crisis wouldn't even show up. And that's what I'm hoping to avoid by creating this habit in my children. You know, I was given the example of these two and trying to live a Christ-centered life that... I want that for my children. I want them to be grounded in who they are and whose they are and, and having creating this habit every night to read to them and it's just calming for them, but they also always have great questions that, like, well, I didn't even think of that, which is great. And so I just know that it's working in their favor to have that foundation, even at a young age, to be able to carry that on through their lives. I love that you mentioned that, Katie. Sometimes I think we can be fearful of discipling others or even discipling our children because we think I'm not equipped. I don't have all the answers. What does it look like for your kids to ask you a Bible question that you just don't know the answer to? Uh, Well, we try to find the answer in the Bible. Um, But even sometimes I'm not sure. I don't know. And and we're not going to know every answer to every question that we have on this side of heaven. And that's where faith comes in and just having that foundation and who Jesus is and knowing what the foundational truths are. I love that. I think that is such a great posture to take. There's never anything wrong with saying to someone, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm willing to search it out and Mm -hmm. we can look for it together. So I would encourage you if you've thought I'm not equipped to disciple someone because I don't know all the answers, you know, Jesus and his great commission, which we talk about here all the time, said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And so we talk about how do we teach them to obey everything if we don't know everything? We just teach them as we learn we do. We're lifelong learners. We have this open-ended commitment that we're never going to stop reading God's Word. And when we come to something in God's Word that is corrective or instructive, we submit to it. We say, okay, I've learned something new. I haven't thought about that before. I haven't heard it that way before. But if God's word says it, I believe it. And that settles it. And in that way, just by teaching people to have a submissive and teachable spirit, we can, in fact, teach everything that Christ commanded. Faith, hope, and love. Yes, (laughs) yes. And the fact that everything that he commanded is boiled down into those two commands. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can see how it's tied to that, then you've already made a major step in teaching them to obey all things. Right. Love God, love others. And uh, my mantra to the boys when when they go off to school or when they come home and are complaining is, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Did you practice those today? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, Chuck, question for you. Again, you know, one message that I would love to get out in front of people is that this doesn't have to be a tool that only women could use. And Chuck, you're a pastor. Would you consider this something that a pastor would find helpful even in sermon preparation? Absolutely. Oh my goodness, yes. I hope so, because I definitely stole a lot of it from my own husband's (laughs) sermon materials. Well, there you have it. Yeah, there's like, when you tie, especially if you're a storytelling preacher, which... Is like I said, that's that's what I love to do is tell the story. You weave the story so well that 
absolutely. It'll give any preacher ideas on, on what to bring in. Like if you're doing John 3 and, and Jesus saying, I'm going to be lifted up and draw other people to myself, like the snake in the wilderness, right? The serpent. That just takes you back to Numbers chapter 23, I think it is. And you tell that story as your sermon, and you, you allude to that a lot in there. But, you know, there's a beautiful story of what Jesus is talking about several thousand years later. But the people that are acting the way they act in the Numbers story are acting the same way in Jesus' time, yeah. are acting the same way today. And so you can just paint this beautiful picture of our sin and our reluctance to look at it and never find salvation versus recognizing our sin, looking at it on the cross in the form of Jesus Christ and, and knowing repentance and, and knowing God and his grace. That's awesome. Something, I say this all the time, but, but that what you just described, you know, from Numbers to John, the way that scripture connects like that to me, is, is one of the most convincing proofs of its authenticity, number one. And number two, it's, it's probably the thing that, that draws me into the, the deepest love for God because what it says is like what you just described. From, from millennia ago, uh, the people of Numbers, the Israelites, as they're out in the wilderness and they have this rebellious spirit to the people of Jesus' day and their rebellious spirit, and even to us today, when we have this rebellious spirit in us, God so many times could have just said, enough. And he didn't. He has this love that pursues us through the millennia and then orchestrates every single event in human history around just one thing, just reconciling with us, just bringing us back into this perfect Garden of Eden relationship with Mm us. And that is a kind of love that's worth giving up everything for because it doesn't exist anywhere else. That's true. So I love that. Let me ask you guys one final question. Since you've been using this book as a discipleship tool with family, with small group, in your personal life, is there any fruit that you've seen from that that you'd like to share? Well, I think for the boys, just having them make that connection so quickly. And we're... We're in a very difficult book of the Bible where I'm like, wow, this is tough. And they're sitting there and listening to it. And just for him to make that connection so quickly, well, that's Jesus. That mediator is Jesus. That's, to me, that's beautiful fruit just from the beginning. I agree. I think that is huge. And, And you know what they'll probably do then is you'll get to Exodus and they'll be at the base of Mount Sinai telling Moses, no, you speak to us. Don't let, don't let him speak to us because we'll die. And I bet they'll go, oh, they needed a mediator, (laughs) right? Once they start recognizing that position of Christ, man, they're going to find it all through scripture and they're going to be pointed to him again and again and again. And that's the faith of a child. In our small group, we have very mature Christians to brand new Christians and it's the brand new Christians that can look at things so simply sometimes and help us get back to our first love as older Christians. As we, we can make things so complicated because we have all this knowledge, quote unquote, now, and it can, that knowledge can become an idol to us. Wow, yeah. And, and having the twins say something, you know, that that's simple 
And it really is that simple. Um, we can make it a lot more complicated than it really is. And, I, and your book helps to, to smooth out those, those edges. I think as far as our, our, our small group is concerned, the fruit we see is, is the bond that, that has been created. You know, we, we formed this group in order, not to, in order to replicate. But we have come so close together now, it's going to be like cutting off an arm or a leg, yeah. even though we know that that's what has to happen. And maybe we shouldn't look at it like cutting off an arm and a leg, but, but sprouting seeds and planting right. those seeds in other places. So um, it's going to happen. We're already hitting 15 to 20 now if everybody shows up, which is mm -hmm. too big for most houses, uh, including ours. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just that bond. But, uh, and, and, and speaking to that, too, I think Chuck does a good job in, in pulling out your verses of the Bible, but laying that foundation of God's Word, and you're seeing these people growing and um, and and not and in that growth, loving each other, loving mm -hmm. God more, loving each other more, and th that's through th the fact that through the study of the Bible, there you know that that love is growing and sprouting and and yeah, that's spreading, the and that's the foundation, and, and it's that's, also stimulating great questions, yes, which they may have never even thought to ask in the yeah, past. We're all in the same group too. Yes. <laughs> But but because of of him using your book to tie in what we're studying, we're we're thinking about things in a different way, and we're breaking it down and just really absorbing what yes, what the Bible is telling us. But because of that, I think it, it's causing us to have a deeper understanding, and we're asking really good questions. Mm -hmm. And it's even the brand new Christians too, the veteran Christians, we're we're. We're asking really good questions and being able to discuss it, um, which I think is producing good meat as well because we're getting deeper. And yeah, because as, as our our relationship with God is growing, mm -hmm. our relationship with each other has become stronger. Mm -hmm. And like it's that. reaching outside of the group now. Yes, because well, not everybody that started with us for example, believe baptism was essential for salvation. Yes. We have a, a huge mix of ex-Catholics <laughs> and Calvinists and you name it. But by the end of what we did with uh, some baptism passages, it's like now those people who said, ah, I'm not sure about that, they're convincing yes. their parents and their kids, yeah, this needs to happen and this is why. And so it's reaching beyond the group as far as that goes. Now we're trying to figure out what can we do as a service project, as a team, to go out and minister to people as a team instead right. of just individual team members reaching their family. How can we do it now as, as a small Going group? outside to show the love of God. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. The other night um, I ran into a woman, and she uh, had been crying, and she just shared with me, I've had a really bad day. I've been crying for a while now. Sorry, I'm all puffy, you know. And she said to me, I got to go talk to Chuck and Karen. And she was a member of your small group. And I thought, what a great testimony to the closeness when she is hurting, when she's experienced something in life that, um, that has her sideways. She knows that she has this Christian family that she can go to. And, and I would echo what you said, those, those deep relationships you build around the word, the longest lasting 
and deepest friendships in my life are those that are built on God's word, on a shared love for God's word, a shared desire to know God's word. And, and I would encourage anyone who is listening or watching that you would seek after friendships like that. And you can use this book to help develop those sort of friendships in your life. But those are the ones that are going to stand the test of time. So before we close out, is there anything further that you guys would like to share? Buy the book. <laughs> well, and you know, something I need to share. I need to give credit here where credit is due. Oh, brother. Because... This book would have a major, major deficiency if it were not for Chuck Phillips' input. Like you said, he got the book before it was published, um, as it was just coming together as a manuscript even. You got it while it was being written. Mm-hmm. And something that you consistently said to me the whole time, deep advice that changed my life, was, Tina, you don't know how to spell judgment. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That means you don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> and now I do. <laughs> no, no, not judge, but now I do know how to spell judgment. And Chuck, I owe that to you. Oh, well, uh, yeah. So I just want to say thank you for that. I could donate something to the cause. <laughs> and, and if it's misspelled anywhere in this book, just know it was because that was before Chuck came into my life <laughs> when that section was written. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. And thank all three of you for being here. I really do appreciate your feedback on this. As this book starts to get out and get into people's hands, I'm sure that um, some people are going to want to know what does this look like to utilize uh, on my own or with my family or with a small group. And I think you guys have provided some really helpful insights into that. So thank you. And thank you for being here with us. Thank you for watching and listening this week. We encourage you to check out this book, Step Into Scripture by Tina Wilson. It's available on Amazon, and you can also get it at Renew.org. It is a Renew resource. Renew is an incredible theology cohort that is just out to get sound doctrine and firm use of God's Word into the hands of people. So I would encourage you to check them out and... This is what the book looks like, so please check it out. Again, you can get this on Amazon or at Renew.org, and join us back here next week when we will continue stepping into Scripture, answering questions submitted by listeners and viewers. Thanks for being with us today. Hello, listener. Thank you for tuning in to a Renew.org podcast. We want to invite you to join us this April in Indianapolis for our 2024 gathering, Courageous Renewal. We will feature speakers such as Anthony Walker, Tina Wilson, Bobby Harrington, Jonathan Storman, and so much more. Secure your spot now at renew.org slash events. That is renew.org slash events. Hope to see you there.